0: Welcome to 90% Mental, I'm your host, Graham Parr, and thank you for joining us for our 29th episode. You know, more often than not, when I'm working with athletes, the topic of fear of failure comes up, and I love talking about this because when you think of fear, we create it. As individuals and athletes, we are the ones who create fear. So I love talking to athletes on how to conquer fear and just run straight at it. And today I have Lisa Willis who is a former WNBA star, also gold medalist in the 2005 Olympics, and also incredible records and career at UCLA. She's going to talk a little bit about her perspective as an athlete, how she dealt with fear, but how she teaches young athletes to deal with fear and how to focus on the right things. So I can't can't express how incredible having her on my show. She's very poised and very well read on this topic, and I can't wait for you to hear more about it. And also, you're going to hear a little bit about her company that she is uh, working very hard at, Mindful Development Hoops, which is an incredible organization. And she's going to talk a little bit more about what she's doing there with the youth and how she's working with athletes just to be better and learn how to compete better. So I'm really excited for you to listen to Lisa. So let's check her out. Hey, Lisa, how are you? Oh, I'm great. I can't complain. Great. Really excited to have you on my show. I've been watching a lot of your YouTube videos and watching you on LinkedIn, and I'm really inspired by your messages on how to, to just to have that mindset as a player. And I think looking back at your career from high school and college and also professional, you have so much knowledge to pull from. And I can't wait to talk to you a little bit more about your background and your mindset but I'm really excited about what we're going to be talking about today, and that is fear of failure, and also the things that we can focus on, the things that we can control. So, I'm really excited for it. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, as I set the tone of every show that I have, I always ask all my guests, "What does mentally tough mean to you?" So, what does it mean to you?
1: Mentally tough. That's that's just being able to still um, to still be productive when adverse situations come about so I don't feel that you could personally say you're a mentally tough person, player, athlete or whatnot without having gone through some adverse situation. So, because that's when, that's when it's tested. Essentially you can't say you're strong if you've never picked up anything, right. you know? And so I feel like mentally tough is, um, is just being able to deal with really trying situations on and off the Uh, playing field,
0: but still being able to produce. And when did you know when you were mentally tough uh, earlier in your career? I probably didn't realize
1: I was mentally tough until I got to the WNBA. No, I wouldn't say that. I would say maybe my college, my senior year in college. In retrospect, I can see that I've been mentally tough for a long time. But it was once I got to maybe my senior year in college that, um, you know, I just played a little differently. Um, my, my killer instinct started to kick in a little bit, all the adverse situations, all the shenanigans, like it no longer bothered me because I was on a mission.
0: And and what was that
1: mission? To be unstoppable. It was, it was like the, the last phase of my four year plan, um, every year going uh going into UCLA there was one thing about my game that I wanted to really work on so that come senior year uh once you put them all together you know
0: you can't be stopped i was i was hungry and i was ready to put things all together so with that mindset and i think this is great because you know when i'm working with athletes i'm trying to get them to develop a mindset not only just for the competition or for the game but for practice So how did you, you know, to get in your mind a little bit, how did you develop that mindset on every rep, every practice, every game?
1: That's funny because I just did a video about this. Uh, One of my NBA guys asked me to talk about practice focus versus game focus. And for me, those were synonymous. There there was no difference between my focus going into practice versus a game. But I loved the game. So some people throw that L word around, and they don't really mean it. You know, they use the L word, but they—the um, only time they they pick up a basketball or whatever you know their sport is—is is when they have an appointment, such as practice, a game, or training. But for me, I absolutely loved it. I, I thought that it was a gift to be able to play basketball, and so every time I stepped on the court, I wanted to just demolish. Whoever I was going against, I hated shoot around because you couldn't compete, you know. And so, um, I mean, you could ask my my uh, teammates in college. I was coming for their head every single day.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can you can see that in your play, uh, you know, for my listeners. If you have a chance to look at you know Lisa's highlight film, whether if it's in college or professional, it's you're not a one dimensional player. Like you're a complete basketball player and you don't stop on offense and you don't stop on defense. And I love it. Thank you. Now, when we talk about fear, there's also we talk about pressure. A lot of times, when people don't understand pressure, uh, they don't know, they don't know how to embrace it. That's when fear kind of creeps in. How did you deal with, especially going in your college <clears throat> with your college career? I mean, you were just you were savage. You were in the spotlight all the time, and you were just you were just rocking your game. How did you deal with that pressure of being the best and and also being Drafted in the WNBA draft
1: I was I was very confident I learned at an early age the only way You can be confident on the court not arrogant but truly confident which is you know internal With your ability is to practice you because you could tell everybody else you can do it But the reality is that once you know Once you step on the court you have to believe that you can do it and so um I, I I practiced a lot. And I also had to trick myself. A lot of times we get this nervous feeling and because there are so many feelings but only so many words we can really attribute to them, um, we, we confuse things a little bit. And so that nervous before the game feeling, I got that feeling when I was playing against teams that I knew I was gonna score twenty points on. I knew we were gonna win by at least eighty, literally, and so And having that feeling when it was time to actually be nervous about something, I just told myself, well, no, you've been there before. There's nothing to worry about because I I had that nervous feeling against the sorry team. So that feeling didn't really mean much to me because it was already misused.
0: Yes, that's that's, that's beautiful. Uh, Well said, because. It's funny how athletes, they associate the fear of failing with nervousness. As soon as they start to feel nervous, they're like, uh-oh, something's wrong. And right. what I'm trying to reframe when I'm working with athletes is like, no, that's that's a good thing. And the fact that you're feeling that is, are you nervous or are you excited? Can we can we turn that feeling into joy? Because like, you love the game. You put in reps like no other. So why are you fearful of... Whatever it is in your head, making mistakes, or you know, not pleasing the scouts, or your parents, or their coaches, or your teammates, why can't we just turn that and control that energy all the way up to the to the beginning of that whistle? Because as soon as that whistle goes off, guess what? It all goes away. So you're yeah. you're actually in the you have the ability to control it, but also reframe it in a positive way. Exactly, and I actually call that healthy fear. Yeah. And
1: I would say healthy fear comes when you you definitely respect your opponent. They're a good player. You know, but I I would say it's the respect to the point where, you know, you have to perform. You're not scared to perform. You just know you have to perform. And so is there pressure? Of course. But there's pressure at the end of the Mm -hmm. game, too. You know, but it's just I I believe it's the healthy fear that drives a lot of the top players like LeBron, because if you look at LeBron, he's arguably and I would argue for it um, the best basketball player in the world but he still is going up against good players every single night where he knows he has to perform. He knows that if he slips, you know, it'll be on ESPN and it'll make it seem like they just made him look silly, you know. And I I just think that most athletes, most successful athletes, they have this healthy fear and it it absolutely drives
0: them. Absolutely. And, you know, when you think of fear and pressure – uh, and I know you know this quote, but I, I'm going to read it because when we think of our fear and our fear of failure, there's so, many, there's so many failures that we have that make up our success. And yeah. Michael Jordan has, a, I love his quote, where he says, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 30, 300 games, 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. And I just love, I love that quote when it comes to failure. It truly speaks to
1: how you become successful. Unless you hit the jackpot the very first time, and that's not how basketball works, you can't be successful. You have to deal with the failure. And the big thing to to reaching your success is going to the next failure. Because you don't know the next failure is actually going to be the next failure until you fail. So once you once you start to um uh reflect on the current failure that you feel that you're in there's something that pushes you to try again. And while you're while you're deciding to try again, that's when you don't know if you're going to be successful or you're if you're going to fail. But just the opportunity to try again, yeah, it sucks because you went from one failure to the next, but you didn't know that it was going to be another failure. And so I guess it the success is the hope at the end of the, uh, at the end of the tunnel where it's like, okay, I failed, but I'm moving closer, but I'm going to try again because they're not always going to be failures. And, and I, I would just attribute it to the hope. Right.
0: Right. And do you think it, is it easy to conquer fear?
1: Once you understand what it is, I think so. Right. Once you, under, once you understand it, that fear is just not knowing, but thinking, then it's easy to, to conquer it. Because when you look at fear as, as something that is definite, then you're always going to be in a troubled state of mind. But fear and faith is the same thing. You, either way, you don't know what's going to happen. But you, if you think something... If you think the future is going to look positively then that's called faith. If you feel like it's going to be negative then that's called fear. Either way you don't know. But when you make it a definite then it's always going to be tough to conquer.
0: You know, I when, I when I have this conversation with athletes, I talk about when we talk about fear, I ask them all the time about who creates it. And they're like, "Well, I do." And I said, "If we, <laughs> if, if you can create it, then you can conquer it. You can have a different relationship with it. So how are we going to, in this moment right now, how are we going to change that relationship with fear? Because, and I'm sure you've seen the, uh, or heard of the, the acronym, which is, I think is beautiful. But for fear, it's false evidence appearing real. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, it's like, there it is. Like all this story that you're making up is all created by you. So since you have the power to do that, well, you have the power to, to move on from it or erase it. Yeah. And it's it's just giving them the the empowerment. It's great because when you start to look at them when they're 15, 16, 18 years old, they're like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Like I I can actually can do that. And I go, okay, so let's actually do that when it's stressful, when there's, when it's it's really, when there's a lot of, a lot on the line and, and there's just a pressured situation. And another question that I do ask them is, you know, what is your relationship with pressure? Is it positive or negative? And most of the time when I talk to them, usually at the high school level, most of them say negative. And I'm like, well, why? And it's just it's just interesting to get them to reframe what pressure is and, and really looking at like, you know, there's athletes and elite athletes love, they love to be in that pressure situation. They thrive on it. They're built for it. So just getting them to think that way. And I don't know, from your perspective, working with with athletes, do you see them having that that negative association and relationship with pressure
1: yeah yeah and i i I think again i think that that will fall back on one's confidence um when you think of pressure you say okay game seven we're down by one no time on the on the uh, clock and you have two free throws that's a lot of pressure But if you think about somebody who has prepared, um, somebody who's shot, you know, 96% from the free throw line for the whole season, you know, now they're thinking, I just got to do what I have to do. I have to do what I've been doing the entire season. Is the pressure there? Yes. But it's not overwhelming. It's not going to cause you to have a panic attack. And that's a, I mean, that, granted, that's a very serious, you know, scenario, but there are situations like that in in so many um in so many players' lives every single day, and how prepared are you because pressure is i mean I will almost put pressure in the same category as fear like who's saying that things are closing in on you who's saying that the pressure is getting stronger? you know you're kind of saying that yeah because it's not physical. so how well did you prepare for this moment right here?
0: Exactly. And I always say this. Um, I don't care if you're if you're an athlete or if you're a, a corporate citizen. I don't care who you are. If you're performing and you start to recognize that you have fear, run at it. Run. just I mean, because if you sit there and dwell at it, it's going to become a bigger emotional situation. Just run at it and, and trust yourself. I mean, whether if you're performing in... In sales, or you're a doctor, or you're a coach, you're a basketball player, football player. You've done so many reps, so trust yourself, trust the process, or so you can just run up that fear. And um, most of the time, when you empower these athletes, they go, "Okay, I'll, I'll try it," and they see themselves <laughs> on the other side of fear, and it's great. <clears throat> when you think of fear, <clears throat> so like when you look back at your career, you were in a position, in a leadership position. Uh you led the team you know at the professional level and the collegiate level uh many times How do you as a leader when you're you're confident but you see other teammates being fearful um or the whole team being fearful how do you how do you how do you deal with that situation
1: hmm. um it's <clears throat> a good question i was I was a light person you know i was i was a fun person but I always worked hard. And so I was more so um, I was I was going to talk to them, but I do way more motivational stuff now than I did back then. Mm. Um, and so if they would, if, if I saw it, I, you know, the things you say, oh, keep your head up or get it back next time or, you know, something like that. Um, we need you. And then you like clap your hands and like nod at them like we need you. And from my re- recollection, uh, I feel like that that helped, but I definitely, <laughs> what I know about myself now, I definitely would have done things differently. Um, I think that what I did, you know, it made some kind of impact just because it was coming from me being in a leadership position, but as a leader, you're only as good as your, those who are rolling with you. Right. And so um, that's kind of when still being the light, fun person that I am, I take them, put my arm around them and be like, yo, what's up? Like, no, don't worry about that. Like, no, we need you. Like, don't, don't even let that get in your head. And I've done that to some players in college, but there are players that I did not do that to. And so I would have done that, you know, across the board.
0: <clears throat> right, because there's some players you – you know, you, as a leader, you you kind of know that that relationship with every single person, right? So you have to kind of know who to do it to. Because some people, as much as they're your teammates and they're and they're exploding and they're failing, even when you try to help them and love them, put your arms around them, they they, they don't want you in there. They don't want you in your space. So you need to, you know, to, right. you're feeling that out. Yeah. Well, we've talked a little bit about fear. We talked about you know how to deal with what comes up with fear. So this might be a little bit of a redundant question, but how do you coach or teach an athlete who has a fearful mind into a fearless mind?
1: Show them the result that they're not expecting to get. Um, a lot of times with, with some of my post players that I've dealt with, um, I've seen some who will hit everybody and I've seen some who will not touch a soul. And it's just like, okay, if you initiate the contact, they're not going to die. Like, and so you show them. You have to actually put them in a situation where you can see, like, hey, look, this is what will happen. Um, and in a more psychological manner, you have to remind them, like, you've done this so many times before. But we tend to, as humans, and I mean, I don't know why, but we tend to remember the negative things before we remember the positive things. And so, when you mention that you know some of the players you talk to, they don't have a good relationship with pressure, that's because they're only they're probably focusing on the times where they sought out to do something under pressure and they didn't um successfully accomplish it but there are situations there are everyday situations where you know one can consider that pressure, but because you actually succeed. You don't think of it as as pressure. And so just kind of show them like you've overcome this so many times before. Like, so let's let's focus on that. What did you do when you got past this before? And so that that would kind of be my approach.
0: I I love it. And, And it's interesting how the mind works, where it's so easy for us to move to the negative experience, the negative talk. And I ask, I ask athletes, I go, why is it that the negativity, whether the negative experience that you've had with pressure, why does it have more weight than when you actually did actually overcome a stressful position and and nailed a three pointer or the game when you shot? Why do we forget about those moments? And it's it's just you know depending who you're talking to, they give you a different answer. But it's just really it's just eye opening, uh, especially at the high school level when you're when you're working with these athletes that are their minds are still developing, their mindset's still developing. So it's just interesting how we, we put so much weight on negative experiences versus the positive ones.
1: Right. Yep. And there's a lot of there are a lot of players who want to be perfect. Yeah. And I I mean I have a player that I work out with. She's definitely going to um, a, a D one school. And she is so hard on herself. And it's like, you're actually hurting yourself by trying to do things perfectly. Like, you just did whatever this was very well. But because you missed, you know, your last three shots, you feel like today was a waste. You know, and so, um, and that has been a battle for maybe the last three years. Like, I don't know why, but there are some players who will not let the negative stuff go.
0: Right right i tell i tell athletes all the time you were not put on this earth to be a perfect athlete you just <laughs> right. weren't. you weren't so it let's just accept that and have you know have fun Like there was a there was an athlete that was on my show uh he's yeah he's actually he was a professional baseball player and he was on the cardinals uh, when they won the world series and he talked about when he was when he struck out if he could literally walk away from that batter's box and smile. He knew in the moment that he was present, but he also knew that he was allowing himself to learn from that experience because he knew he was going to get better from it. But he also knew that if you left that batter's box and he was pissed off and he lost control of his emotion, he lost the opportunity to get better. Hmm. And I was like, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty insightful, right? P- pretty present. So yeah, it was pretty cool. So when you think, when you work with athletes now, what do you think is one of the things that's prevalent that you see that as far from a fearful perspective, like what, what is so fearful that you see within these athletes or these young athletes?
1: They're not confident. <laughs> hmm.
0: No, it, outside of like they're showing
1: outwardly one thing, but on the inside they are not confident, and and it's it's eating them up. Like a lot of times, um, especially with social media. Um, Social media is all about appearance. It's all about making something look like something. Absolutely. You know, and so they spend so much time trying to look good, you know, and like, let's say they go to the gym to work out. Well, it has to be documented. Everybody has to see that, that they're working out and (laughs) how well, how good of a workout can you really get when you're trying to make sure that you look good for Instagram? or right. for your Snapchat, you know, and so they're not, they're not confident. They're, they're not confident. And when you deal, when you're dealing with somebody who is not confident, then everything's going to seem like a pressure situation. So that's when you see a kid who on their social media, they have all these cones out and they're doing all of these ball handling drills and all of this stuff to look good. But then you put them in the game and they just become the pivot king or queen because they are too scared to put the ball on the ground. Right. it's for show, and on the inside they're terrified
0: man you, you you're preaching the gospel there and you hit the nail on the head uh, what i see social media it's kind of this like necessary evil in a way now with our society but it's a good thing and a bad thing but i think when it comes to pressure when it comes to uh the fear of failure they they are one play away from getting completely demoralized I mean, and really? they're also one play away from making making a great highlight film as well. So there's so much pressure on that, and and I see with athletes that you know when you ask them like what do you what are you fearful of? Well, I'm, most of the time I hear I'm fear of failing, like making mistakes or getting hurt. Those two things come up a lot, and the other ones come where it becomes more external. They're so fear the fear of failure comes like with the scout. Like I hope the scout's here today. I you know they're playing for the scout, not for the team. So their whole focus changes. Or I hope I make my parents proud because they're putting so much time and money into making sure that I'm I'm a good athlete. Uh, I hope that my girlfriend likes me after the game or or appreciates the way that I play. Or I hope the sports writer writes something about me. And they're so focused on these external things that are fueling their fear. So they're focusing on the wrong thing. So getting into kind of the next topic about focusing on what we can control, what do you think from your perspective – coaching basketball, what, is, what are some things that are the right things to focus on?
1: Uh, what you just said, your control. I mean, the things that you can control. When I do basketball camps, uh, when I coached, uh, when I do group training, stuff like that, at the end, I always go around, no matter how many people it is, and I I say, from 1 to 10, what was your effort level? And... Some people I rarely get a 10. Rarely. Like I've probably gotten three tens and I've been doing this for <laughs> over five years. Right. And the crazy thing about that is even when they give a when they say that eight was their answer, they probably still weren't giving eighty percent. You know, and so the the whole thing is you gotta control the stuff that you can control. Your energy, your effort. Like, I don't care if you're sick as a dog, go hundred percent for being sick, whatever your circumstances are, you know, give, give it your all and, and your energy effort, work ethic. Those are things that, that you can control.
0: hundred percent energy, effort, attitude. And I, and I love actually, you know, you bringing up the, um, you know, when someone comes to, to practice and they're not feeling well or they're sick. And, you know, if they're sick, hey, maybe you shouldn't be there. But if you're here, okay, if you're sick, what energy can I get from you? Are you 60%? Are you 80%, 95%, 45%? What is it? Because if if you're 55%, that's what you have in the tanks, let's focus on using the 55% and not the energy that you don't have. And that's what most athletes do. They focus, well, I'm sick. I'm at 100%, so I'm not going to play well. Well... You know how many people have played like sick, like Michael Jordan in the playoffs or, you know, Brett Favre who lost his dad and he throws, you know, what it was, five, six touchdowns on Monday night football. Like people, you don't have to feel good to perform, but you also have to identify how much energy you have as well.
1: Right. And I I tell them, okay, so you're, you're 80%. So give me a hundred percent of your 80%. The end.
0: Yeah. Big time. Big time. And I'm a, I'm a huge, and I'm sure you've heard this, because it be, I think it's becoming more of an acronym in sports, period. You know, and you hear the acronym WIN, like what's important now. And, and I think for me, I, I love it just because in the moment, if you're, if you're practicing mindfulness and you're practicing, you know, getting into your breath, when you need to make a decision and you want to make the right decision, that what's important now is huge. Because in that moment, if you can actually answer that question, then I don't care what the score is, man. Like You're, you're winning, actually, because you're in control. Right. Right, I agree. I actually have never
1: heard that acronym or seen that acronym before, so... Oh, okay. I like that.
0: Yeah, it's, um, uh, it's, I've heard it for a long time. Actually, right when I got done playing football in college, I read a book on Lou, from Lou Holtz in, uh, from Notre Dame, and so I learned that, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, and then my mentor... Grant Betchart, who works with a lot of NBA players, he actually pushes that all the time, and um, and I'm just kind of a proponent of having things in front of us. So I have my athletes actually write that on their cleat, on their gloves, just so they they can see it. Because sometimes when they really need to f- focus on what's important now, they they need to see it on their wrist or the headband or whatever. So uh, right. so I have like a catalog of of pictures of all my athletes that write that on their uh, on their clothes or locker. So. So let me ask you this. I'm, I'm fascinated with, with games or with sports like basketball. There's, there's a component of fast-focus play. And how do you teach that? Because a lot of people focus on shooting, right? But I, and I love your background because you're all about shooting and defending, right? So how, how do you teach fast-focus play, meaning when your role is to shoot and then within a moment's notice, you have to change your role and be a defender? How do you teach that?
1: Um, that's in, I would say that's in understanding the game, um, understanding that it's not football. <laughs> you don't get to specialize in offense. <laughs>
0: right, right.
1: You don't get to do that. Um, and I, I enjoyed it. I, I always tell players that there's a game within the game and you have to find yours. Mm. So I knew that I was a good shooter. Um, and so that was what I was going to do. Um, but defensively. I needed to stop people like in me trying to show that I was the best. It's like, okay, so you average 20 points a game. Let's see what you do against me. I'll be the judge of how good of an offensive player you are. If you come and do that to me. So I always wanted to guard the um, toughest player because for me, it was a challenge and it was just a part of the game. And (laughs) I, I, I also tell my players, to do other things. So if my, if I'm, if I'm in a shooting slump, um, which growing up, I don't know why, but the month of August was always rough. It was like my jump shot ran out for the summer (laughs) by the time August came, but I still need to be able to play. So it's like, you have to do other things. And so it, it was, it was about being a complete player. So one of the things that Lisa Leslie liked about playing with me was that I could actually get her the ball. I tell people all the time, passing is a skill set, yeah. you know? And so being able to, if you under, if you actually understand the game, if you actually understand how you can score for the game in ways other than putting points on the board, like, um, getting a rebound, well, that's another chance to score, um, whether you do it or not. Um, when you start to understand all of these, all of these ways to score and kind of treating the game, like it's a shell drill, you It keeps you accountable every play in the court
0: absolutely a hundred percent and i you know there's a I saw this clip on Michael Jordan, and it was when you think of a fast focus play there was a i forget who they were playing, but he actually he shoots a three point and he misses, but he ends up going to the ball, going to the board, and he gets his his rebound. And then he goes up for a layup, and then as soon as he goes up for layup, someone steals the ball from him within a moment's notice. And I'm not saying everybody, but you, you do see some people give up at that moment. They're like, "Ha," ah. you know, Grant. and then they kind of run back to defense. And you might see that more in high school and maybe in college. But so in this moment, within a second of him getting the ball stolen, he literally is sprinting right behind the guy that stole the ball, and the guy doesn't know that Michael's right behind him. And as soon as he goes up for layup, Michael not only steals the ball but just swipes it right out of his hands. And then he takes the ball and then goes all the way down and he does a layup. And it's just interesting how his whole mindset was to score. And right. his role changed within a moment's notice of going from offense to defense to offense. And he, and he had a plan. And he, just, and, it's just, and he was so tenacious about it. But that's why I love basketball and hockey because your focus can switch – from just in a moment's notice. Right.
1: And you have to, <laughs> you have to be resilient. Yeah. Um, you, can, you can make the dumbest play. Um, you can have the worst luck. And you have to hurry up and go. <laughs> yeah. You have, you have to hurry up and go. Uh, unfortunately uh, for me, I'm able to take those same principles off the court and into my, into my life. But right. the reality is things will happen. Things will happen. You have to – let's go. Let's go. And, I mean, you know, since the age of maybe nine, like I, I had an old school coach, and he would cuss you out at the drop of a dime. Oh,
0: yeah. Um, I've had those too. And so too. that's makes
1: you put some pep in your step.
0: Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so – well, awesome. Well, um, before we, we close up here, I would love for you to share a little bit of Mindful Development Hoops and kind of what that's all about and what you're doing with with athletes. I appreciate that. Um, Mindful Development Hoops is
1: is my baby. I tell people all the time I was not this great athlete. I was a hooper. I was a basketball player. I couldn't jump high. I didn't run fast. Uh, my first step was quick, but the second and third, uh, not so much. <laughs> right. like, but my IQ was remarkable. I mean, to the point where I would help, you know, my coaches at UCLA come up with the game plan. Not for the worst team in the conference, for like Stanford.
0: Right. Like,
1: I just really understood how to play the game of basketball. And when you understand how to play, and I'm not talking about the rules, I'm talking about concepts now. Yep. When you understand how to play, that's when you can really be successful, no matter what you think is holding you back as a guard um I was a tall guard, so six feet two uh shooting guard wow. and no like a six foot two player oh, no. i don't i'm
0: six two there no
1: I'd say that <laughs> six feet tall, yeah shooting guard, and that that's pretty tall on the women's side um yeah. I'm playing against all these little people, and all these little people are faster than me. How is it that I'm able to stop them? Well, I already knew what they were going to do. And so when you think about uh, triple threat, a lot of times when you come up against a ball handler, um, you're nervous because you don't know how they're going to destroy you. But the reality is that when they get the ball, they they can do one of three things, pass, shoot, or dribble. That's all take away the shot, now they only can do two things, okay? If you play them at a certain angle, they don't feel comfortable making that pass. Now they have to put the ball on the ground and they only can go right or left. When you start to understand how basketball works, it gives you a a little bit, um, there's a calmness that goes with it and you're not filled with anxiety. And so in teaching or in coming up with my business, I do a whole lot of teaching, I make sure that my players know how to play basketball. I don't want to give them a nice toolbox with no manual. Right. And so, so so that's what I do. So I do a lot of basketball training events such as, you know, private trainings, group academies and um, clinics um, where I'm really able to dive into just different components of the game. And some things I've learned in the WNBA and college, but I'm able to, make it so that it's digestible for let's say a 12 year old. Um so I do my basketball events but then um I also have like sports leadership camps. Um and I should be doing two this summer and I love it because I feel like me being a leader on the on the court being the leader of myself is what allowed me to you know to be successful as well. Um learning how to deal with adverse situations um, and I'm able to, to break those things down. So um, if, if you check out uh, my website, it's hoopsmd.com, uh, you'll be able to see a list of programs that, that the players can get involved with. Um, I'm launching in April the Mind Grind community, which is um, an online community that's, that's really here to help players develop their IQ, but also give them a good uh, training platform. Or I'm sorry, a training plan so that they can train the right way for for the month. And so, you know, it does that. It provides a community where um you can learn from the questions and ideas of others um and, and stuff like that. So the Mind Grind community should be launching in April. And I'm I'm really excited about that because I'm really gonna pour my all into that, uh, motivate them daily, motivate them. Um do game film review and just really help them personally, but then as a group
0: develop. I love it, Mind Grind. I love that name. Thank you. That's awesome. And where can my listeners find you on social media? So
1: on Instagram, it is Lisa Willis four zero. On Twitter, it is Mindful underscore Development with no vowels. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so mindful underscore development
0: no vows uh, got it so yeah well beautiful well I have uh, I love having you on my show uh, I've been not only watching you as an athlete but watching all your just watching all your content on social media right now has been inspiring and I hope that you know any of my listeners that are listening that they have a different perspective and and just maybe different perspectives, tools to deal with fear and, and, and learning how to focus on what's important now. So I, I really appreciate you being part of the show.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you having me.
0: You bet.